full circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. This show is produced, engineered, and hosted right here in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, better known to settlers as the Bay Area. Tonight, we bring you another episode of People Helping People, a show created and produced by First Voice Apprentice graduate, myself, Freewell and Franklin. And on tonight's show, we'll learn about Facing Homelessness in Antioch, a new nonprofit organization dedicated to helping homeless communities in Antioch. Also, we'll continue our drumbeat coverage on the current immigration detainee policy with an update on the proposed housing of 47,000 migrants and possibly even families at the Concord Naval Weapons Station. All that and more tonight on Full Circle. I'm Freewell and Franklin, your guest host for the first half of the show tonight, bringing you the latest episode of People Helping People. Keep it locked right here on KPFA. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA. And as I mentioned, tonight we will feature the latest episode of People Helping People right here on Full Circle. And then we'll get an update on the family separation crisis, including an interview with the mayor of Concord. First Voice Apprentice Sharon Peterson has been on the case in Concord, and she will be here to bring us up to date in the second half of the show. So stay tuned for that. But first, we have another episode of People Helping People. And People Helping People is a project of the Rivertown Resource Center and the Content Creators and Engineering Training Program in Antioch. Each episode is produced in the small studios and offices there in East Contra Costa County. So without further ado, let's check out the latest installment of People Helping People featuring the new nonprofit organization Facing Homelessness in Antioch. This is People Helping People. Through stories of success and survival, each episode of People Helping People aims to raise awareness and educate our communities on vital resources that are available and how to access those resources through local, community, and governmental organizations or individuals. It is our hope that sharing these resources and the information to access them will help all of us navigate the daily struggles of providing for our families, staying physically and mentally healthy, and keeping our communities safe for all of us. We are People Helping People. 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 Hello and welcome everyone. This is People Helping People on your local community radio station, 
KPFA. I'm your host, Free Will and Franklin, and I'm glad to be back and to be featuring another great nonprofit organization out of Contra Costa County. And actually, this is East Contra Costa County over here in Antioch, my hometown. And, you know, Antioch is a beautiful, beautiful place to live. I've lived here my entire life. The moniker when you come into town on Highway 4 is Antioch, Gateway to the Delta. Antioch sits in the heart of the Delta where the Sacramento and San Joaquin Rivers meet. And the downtown is really right on the water. And, of course, let's not forget to recognize that this Delta region borders the homes of three of California native tribes, the Bay Miwok, the Ohlone and Yukat people. And I keep that in the present tense to remind us all that we are still here. Antioch has always been a special place to people and still holds a special distinction for great fishing and boating, excellent waterfront restaurants, and Golden Hills. We have a collection of antique shops in a beautiful downtown and a multicultural community. But Antioch holds another distinction as well. In fact, it's the high numbers of homeless people. In May this year, Contra Costa County released its numbers on homelessness in their 2018 point-in-time survey, and Antioch currently has the highest homeless population in the county at 352 people counted in the one-day survey. All this while local governments across the state struggle with strategies, policies, and a lack of state and federal funding. This leaves people living in houses near homeless communities left only with complaining about blight and decreased property values. Meanwhile, people living on the streets hustle and scrape by another day for food, clothes, and shelter. Now, look, we all know there may be differing opinions on what should be done about and for homeless communities around us, but most everyone agrees that there is an issue and something has to be done. But what? And what are you doing? What are we doing as a community to help? Is it our responsibility, which is our ability to respond My guest tonight may have asked herself those questions sometime in her life because you can find her and her crew out in the streets um, helping out in ways they can to provide a bit of dignity and non-judgmental support to homeless communities in Antioch. And at this time, I'd like to welcome my guest. Her name is Nicole Gardner, and she operates a nonprofit called Facing Homelessness in Antioch. Welcome to People Helping People, Nicole. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Um, Before we get into all the work that you are doing, let's get to know a little bit about you yourself. Are you actually from Antioch? Actually, I'm originally from Richmond, California. I've been out here for about 22 years, though I came out here when I was like 13. So um, basically most of my life. So I, I would say that I'm from Antioch. Yeah. All right. And... Like I mentioned in my intro, Antioch is a great place to live. What is it that you find um, that you seem to like best about being out here? I don't know. Just my my whole family basically is out here. I love the fact that I know where I'm going. Like I, you go to other places and you're like, you know, I go to San Francisco. Where am I going? There's all these one-way streets and all this. But Antioch, I know where I am. I'm comfortable out here. And I do love the Delta. I love going out to the water. We take the boats out there. It's just, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place to be. People are great too. All right, Nicole, that's great. Um, I, too, love the water. Um, I was just out on the water 
a couple of days ago. Well, we've all seen the changes in the homeless populations around Antioch right. and around the state in general. And basically on any given night in Contra Costa County, there can be over 1,600 people experiencing homelessness. And as we heard, three, uh, 352 in Antioch alone. This is according to Contra Costa County point in time count. Those people could be our family, our friends, our aunts, our uncles, our brothers and sisters. What is it that personally got you into helping homeless communities? Honestly, I I don't know. I just always had like a soft spot for the homeless. I used to do a lot of things with my church years ago and uh, we, you know, make food and stuff and I would organize that. And then I would just tell my family, you know, just out of the blue, let's go feed the homeless, you know, tonight. And we did that a few times. Uh, just recently though, or the last, um, like a year and a half ago, I've had my organization for about a year and a half. I started it because I actually, it was actually Martin Luther King's birthday. And um, someone had posted a YouTube video and he was just talking about, you know, helping your community, helping your brothers and your sisters out. And I was just like really inspired by it. So I just called my mom and my sister and told my husband, like, we're going out. We're going to go feed them. I made some really good dinners, some spaghetti and barbecue chicken and all kinds of good stuff. And um, and we just went out and I've just been doing it like ever since. That's great. People get inspired on that day. It's right. good. And let's talk about the organization that you created, Facing Homelessness in Antioch. Just tell us briefly, you know, what is Facing Homelessness in Antioch? I know you recently got your nonprofit um, status. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Pretty much I just wanted to um, let people know not to turn your back away from just, just, it's right in your face. Just don't ignore it. You know what I mean? We see these people every day. And I just wanted to, you know, just bring awareness to the problem and break the stereotypes that are out there about, you know, homelessness and homeless people. And so my thing is like right now, I just really want to get out there, give them some really good food, some encouragement, just love on them. I mean, I got, I have so many people right now, they're like family. You know, I know a lot of people out there. So I just want to bring awareness to the homelessness out here in the city. That's true. I have also um, numerous friends that are out there camping or living by the water. So, you know, they really are our, um, our people. Right. Well, I went out and checked you out in action the other day. Talk about your crew and what it is that you actually do at this time. Like what kind of food uh, do you offer, supplies, and who is your crew? So I have an amazing crew. <laughs> they uh, consist of my mom, my sister, my aunt, my cousin. I have a friend that comes out with us. Just different family. It's it's really cool because I get so many different volunteers that just want to come out. And we do have days where we bring the kids and we'll have just random people message me and say, you know, I just want my kids to get the experience. So they come out. Everybody is, has been really just amazing. I really couldn't do what I do really without them. As far as like the food and stuff, I pretty much do all the cooking myself. So when we go out, I try to make sure that we feed at least like 50 people. I pride myself in making sure that I have really, really good meals. I could do like uh, beans and rice, but who wants to eat beans and rice without like cornbread and fried chicken? Not me, not me. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I make enchiladas and uh, we even for Christmas, I did like a seafood gumbo and it's lasagna, spaghetti. It's just a little bit of everything. Everything that I make, I eat. Like, I don't want to give anybody anything that I wouldn't eat, so... And I could attest that a lot of the people I spoke to um, talked about the food and how good it was and that you put a lot of care into that. Well, um, that's great. That's good to know. And what other services do you provide or do you provide other services or supplies? 
I do get lots of donations. So we'll, you know, pass out jackets. I have like containers in my van that, you know, we put all the clothing and different things in. And we have another bit large container for like toiletries and different things we get. I have a, another large container that's in there for like different snacks and cookies and just a whole bunch of stuff, their needs. And so, like I said, my Facebook group page, the people have been amazing with their donations and they drop things off to my house and I meet them to pick them up. But for the most part, just the, you know, necessities, you know, that they need out there that we pass out. So, And that Facebook page is Facing Homelessness in Antioch. And we will have a link to that Facebook page on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. That was the voice of Nicole Gardner, the founder of Facing Homelessness in Antioch, and you're listening to People Helping People on your local community radio station, KPFA. Now we're going to take a moment, Nicole, and hear some of the voices of the folks you help out out there. And it's great to know what people think about you, right? I mean, I'm just curious to see what they say. <laughs> All right, so um, you're listening to People Helping People on Full Circle on KPFA. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> help you out? Do you regularly meet her here? And what do you think about the work that she does to help folks? Nicole does a lot. Not only that, she provides at least one hot meal a week, which nowadays is pretty scarce. Um, the cops kind of, instead of kind of ran everybody off. But, you know, um, if we need clothes, socks, um, hygiene, essential stuff, you know, just to try to look presentable. People like Nicole are rare. Um, you can tell that she cares and it means something. Um, most come down here for, you know, the show. You know, they stick around for a couple of months and then poof, they're gone. Um, Nicole's been around for a while. The first time I saw her was over there at Lowe's. They, she had a big, um, tried out the back bus, and it was her and her, her daughter. Said, Don't worry, we'll be back. We hear that a lot. Never see him, but she's great, great. And it's not just, you know, you know, meals thrown together. It's, it's food that she cooks, that she takes personal pride in, so it's nice. We don't get very many home-cooked meals, you know, out here, so it, it rocks when we do, so. Wednesdays are special for us around here. We know that Nicole is coming, and she makes great food. It's almost, it's home. It's not almost like it, it is home, what she brings to us, and I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be adopted into a family, so. My heart is warm when I see them on Wednesdays. You know, I, I get a feeling of the reassurance that, you know, my little plight, what I'm going through now, it's, it's not that long, it's not that big, you know. I uh, rely on the Lord and uh, the help that He sends. I think He sends people like Nicole, her ministry, and some other ministries, they're angels, you know. God sometimes put angels down here in the faces of friends. <laughs> that, you know, kind of help and pull one another together. People enjoy Nicole, and when she comes around, there's nothing harsh, you know? People are much more relaxed. It's like having dinner and everybody's at the dinner table, you know, laughing and joking and eating. It's really a pick-me-up with her. When I first met Nicole, it was the first time I ever seen her. I didn't know anything about it, but uh, after I seen everybody getting help from her, getting food from her and clothes, and, and it helps out a lot because sometimes we don't have that. It's, it's good to have a home-cooked meal, and I mean, like me, I like to cook, and I don't ever get a chance to do it, but when she brings up, the first time I had fried chicken and uh, waffles, I was like, 
This is just totally crazy, but it was good. You know, and she gave us some sweatshirts and some uh, hygiene stuff, which is a, a big plus in this area. Um, a lot of people get up and steal stuff from you and you wind up losing it or you just don't have it. And it's always good to have somebody that has a heart that speaks hers and it's, it's like gold. She, she's there. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that do it, but she's doing it out of her own heart and her own her own pocket, and it's it's a good team. So it, it's helped out quite a bit. When we didn't have money to, to eat, she was right there. She's good people, and she's got a good heart. God sent. What does it do to help you out when Nicole shows up? It blesses me, and I think it is an amazing thing that she's doing, and I thank God for people like Nicole who actually do things that actually help people and not make it worse for those that need help. Yeah, she's wonderful. She feeds us. She brings her clothes. She do everything she can to help us. So I really appreciate her. Well, she helps me out by when she brings the food and the clothes, it's usually at a time of um, I'm, I'm in dire need. You know, when somebody has not much, uh, a T-shirt and a bag of food goes a long way. And it says a lot, too, though, at the same time. And it, not just her, other people do it, but it, uh, I never realized people can be so compassionate. You know, it's a nice thing. people helping people on their local community radio station kpfa uh, we are speaking with nicole gardner the founder of facing homelessness in antioch and we just got done listening to some of the voices of the folks that she helps out out there and what's it like to hear what people think about you wow i mean gonna make mess up my mascara <laughs> it, it really is um I was, I was trying to hold back the tears but it really is um it's just amazing to hear I mean, I love them. I know they love me. I love them, too. <laughs> Congratulations. It feels good. It made my eyes real watery. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, that was the voice of Nicole Gardner, the founder of Facing Homelessness in Antioch. And you're listening to People Helping People on your local community radio station, KPFA. Now, we just heard some of those voices. Tell us about some of the people that you met out there and that you got to know. What are some of the stories that you heard? They are so cool. Like I said, they're like family. Um, you know, there's they are so funny and, you know, um, they're cool. They're compassionate. They're there for one another. It's so crazy to me because I hear all the time that, you know, it's like they're not even humans that so you go on these forums and stuff like that. And you hear what people say about them like they're, you know, they're not even human. Like they don't have feelings. And they're, I mean, these people are really cool. They're like family. They are concerned. Uh, genuinely concerned when I come out they're asking me about myself um, you get you know they're, they're young kids out there or you know late teens early 20s and then you have you know older people but just for the most part like I said we're all like a big family and um, I have yet of the, over the year and a half that I've been doing this have met anyone that's made me be like you know I don't want to do this anymore or I don't want to come out here just everybody has been cool and respectful so like I said they're all different but they're all really really cool I think you know, I haven't been involved doing stuff as long as you have, but I think when I did get out there and started talking to people and doing things, I think what you find out is they're just people just like us. They have, right. you know, issues just like us. You right. know, I got issues. I know people, my friends have issues. Mm -hmm. And these are people just like us, and they happen to have some issues right now that has them without a home. Right. So it's good that we could just, like, 
you know, see that, respect that, and, you know, do what we can when we do. Right. What do you think is or isn't working for them out there on the streets? Well, just the fact that there are uh, there's lack of resources for them. I think if there were more opportunities, then not saying every last one would take the opportunity to change and um, to try to, you know, better themselves in the situation. But there are a lot of people that if they just had the resources, uh, then I think that they would uh, make major changes in their lives. So, Nicole, we know that people become homeless for a variety of different reasons. It could be a medical issue. Um, bills resulting from medical issues, loss of a job, um, addiction, mental health. I mean, there's so many reasons out there in the community of how people become homeless. And we see it uh, city after city, including right here in Antioch, the destruction of homeless encampments and the displacement and disbursement of people out into the city that have created some sort of safe community that they had. And we could all see... This may be considered a problem. Maybe to me and you, it's a different problem that mm-hmm. they're kicking people out. And maybe like I mentioned earlier, for other people living right next to that community, it could be a problem that they just don't happen to want that there. But I think we all agree that it it is some sort of problem that we want to deal with. Do you have any thoughts on what we could do to help with the problem? Because I think people like myself, maybe possibly you we're out there doing what we can but we're kind of dealing with the symptoms of the homelessness what do you think in the bigger picture that we could help out with the problem of homelessness well you mean as far as like just the individual or do you mean like the city um the city or as individuals yeah just um well as far as individuals i just think really i can't think of anything that is more that i could do unless you know i was just rich and had a whole bunch of money and go get some shelters or something but you know just being there being compassionate showing them love showing them you know respect giving them hope and uh i think that that will help them in a way to you know want to change change their situation and um it just brings hopes to them and you know makes them feel, feel human and worth something you know when they have the respect of other human beings and um you know, just looking them in the eye when you pass them, just, you know, different things like that. Everything help, like that helps, you know, for the individual. As far as the city, I, you know, I hope and I pray that they could just do more when it comes to, um, I, I mean, I do give it to them. I know that they did just build a uh, uh, apartments on, um, I think it's James Donlin, and they have a space for homeless veterans there, and that's amazing. I'm hoping that right now that um, they could, you know, at least start with the showers and the, um, you know, maybe opening up a building and getting some showers open, some shower stalls, having, you know, getting some porta potties out there, maybe having volunteers or someone that they can pay that come out there and, you know, keep it clean and run it for a couple hours a day or whatever. But that's like the most immediate needs that the homeless need right now. And then after that, just like some warming and cooling centers, maybe, you know, the Food Max building has been closed. The Orchard building has been closed for years. If they could even open that up and, you know, when it's really hot outside, have them be able to come in with some water just to start, you know. And, um, you know, just for the, just, you know, for something quick and easy for now, I think that the least they could do is something like that. And I think when you talk about all the vacant buildings that are around here and you think of what they could be doing, and also if we see that the immigration crisis is developing, they're willing to build these huge camps. And then we got people arguing about they could do that for um, these migrants, but they don't want to do it for the homeless communities. So we could see that when there's the will, there is the way. Right. And we also look at Antioch when they just spent $95,000 on a 
an image consultant, which would supposedly um, brighten our image. And I was responding that I think you need to take care of the problems and the image gets better, not the image and the problems get better. And they're also considering a $20,000 a year raise for our city manager. So these are some resources that we feel like could be um, better used, you know, to deal with citizens in town Mm -hmm. that are in need. And also one last thing I'll mention is that the budget for the police department is like 76% of our entire budget. So um, there's a, there is, we could see that when there's a will, there's a way in the terms of these camps that they want to set up and using Concord Naval Weapon Station, they couldn't make that a homeless facility. Right. right. I just feel like they need to use resources best when they can. And I, if I could just say one thing. Please. Um, I went to, you know, a city council meeting and I did bring it up to city officials and, um, you know, some officers that I, I come across and just let them know, you know, I was looking at the budget and there was like almost, uh, I'm, it's, I'm estimating right here because it's been a little while, but like I'm, I think it was like almost a million dollars just for welcome signs on the freeway exits. And then they had um, thousands and thousands of dollars that they wanted to do upgrades to for the Amtrak. And I'm like, you know, that's really crazy that you guys want to do those upgrades. And they're like homeless people sitting at Amtrak starving and in the freezing cold. And it just it's unbelievable to me that and I'm like, you know, they I know about the image and what they they want to bring jobs back. They want to bring businesses back. But I'm like, you know, you don't want to see the homeless. They don't want to see you either. So let's take that million dollars and go, you know, go lease food max or rent it out or do whatever you need to do so that we can get these people in somewhere and then have some resources. I know 211 helps out a lot or core helps out a lot. So I think there, like you said, there's other things that could be done with the money. And also just for a little perspective, um, a while back, I think it was a year ago or last year, they had closed the only place in town where people could actually do laundry, use the phone, use it as an address, take showers. And now it's only for, um, well, thank God it's still there for people with uh, mental health issues, but it has now been closed for the average person. The homeless right. person can't go there anymore. Well, we are getting a little low on time, Nicole. Let's just briefly touch on like what else you do. How do you support yourself? Is your nonprofit your work? Or you know, what do you do to support your work? Well, my husband, um, he's in construction. We do have a limousine business that I run from home. So I'm pretty much a home, a housewife and mom for the most part. He's very supportive. I pretty much just put into my head over the year and a half that, you know, I don't need all these shoes. I don't need all these clothes. I've been very limited on the things that I get for myself. As long as my kids are taken care of and my house is taken care of, I'm fine. There's nothing that I need out there that will make me not feed my people on Wednesdays. You know what I mean? So I've just been disciplining myself really, like, for the past year and a half. But like I said, my husband, he's very supportive. And, um, yeah, just I'm, I've been blessed. And we talked briefly that you get donations, you give out food, clothes, toiletries, um, essential needs for people. How could people assist you? What's the best way to make either a monetary donation, a donation of clothes? You know, how do people get a hold of you? Well, with the um, Facebook group page that we have, you can join the group or not, but you can always contact me through that, through an inbox. And, you know, I can meet you somewhere. You can drop off donations. Um, I did just recently make another GoFundMe page. So um, I I believe that one is um, GoFundMe forward slash Facing Homelessness 925 if you wanted to make a donation that way. And all donations are um, tax exempt. You know, you can get a tax tax write-off for it. So that's even better. But, um, But yeah, so like I said, the community has been great. I would accept any kind of donations. And on top of that, if you just want to volunteer and come out, and um, that'd be great too. 
Now, before we do go, what would you be looking forward to do in the future? You have this new nonprofit status. You've been out here, you were mentioning for a year and a half or, you know, a little over a year. You know, what is the future of facing homelessness in Antioch? Do you have any big plans? Well, I would love to be running um, my own homeless shelter where, uh, or a warming center or whatever, but just so that I would be able to have a facility where I can actually cook and make meals and have, you know, not have to chase people around the city and try to figure, you know, where they are. Some I know where they are and they know where I am, but for the most part, we do go around the city. But, um, you know, just to have people be able to come in, get cool, get warm and have a really, really good meal, whether it's one or two times a day and be, you know, be able to give them water. The same thing I do going around the streets. I just want my own shelter to be able to have them come there and get the same benefits. So. Well, I hope that comes to you and I'll see if I could help you out anyway. Lastly, before I let you go, what would you just like people that are listening to know about homeless people in general, but, you know, homeless people around town in Antioch? They are so cool. Like, they are really sweet. Like, they are not at all what you may think that they are. They're really just like family to me. I mean, I give them hugs. They hug me. They check up on me. I check up on them. They're really great and loving and kind and funny and goofy and just regular people like that just are having a bad time. Some have addictions, but, you know, there's people that have their own homes and jobs and have addictions. You know what I mean? So it's just like just I try not to judge. And I would just hope that people would just go out there and get to know them. Like I said, come volunteer with me. And then, you know, you'll go out there and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. And she happens to be down at the Amtrak, Antioch Amtrak around 7 p.m., somewhere around there on Wednesday nights. That's where uh, I was out hanging out with her. Well, Nicole, let me um, thank you for speaking with us. This is Nicole Gardner of Facing Homelessness in Antioch. And if you want to contact Nicole and help her out in any way, we will post a link to her Facebook page, Facing Homelessness in Antioch on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of People Helping People. I have been your host, Preble and Franklin. I'll talk to you next time. And thank you very much, Nicole. Thanks for having me. All right, peace. That's it for this episode of People Helping People, brought to you by collaboration between the Rivertown Resource Center in Antioch and your local community radio station, KPFA. I've been your host, Freewell and Franklin. If you are part of or know of a local community, nonprofit, or governmental organization, or even an individual that directly serves community members in Contra Costa County or the surrounding area and are interested in being featured on People Helping People, please send an email to getonphp at gmail.com or call 925-848-9097. Again, the email is getonphp at gmail.com or call 925-848-9097 and leave a message with your contact information. Again, thanks for listening and remember, people helping people can make the world a better place for us all. Peace. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA. I have been your guest host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. That was the latest episode of People Helping People. 
featuring the nonprofit organization Facing Homelessness in Antioch. And just a reminder, if you are out there in that area and are interested in helping out Nicole in any way, you can find a link to her Facebook page, Facing Homelessness in Antioch, on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, along with other related links to this episode, including the Contra Costa County point-in-time survey on homelessness. Also, again, if you know of or are part of a nonprofit organization and are interested in being featured on People Helping People, please send an email to getonphp at gmail.com. That information will also be on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. But now stay with us on Full Circle because coming up after the music break, current apprentice Sharon Peterson will be here to continue our drumbeat coverage of the current family separation and detention crisis. That's it for me, Free Will and Franklin, and people helping people. We'll be right back with that important update. Peace. Welcome back. That was Believe in Reality by Aisha Fukushima. And you are listening to Full Circle on Pacifica Radio, KPFA. I will be your host for the rest of the show. Sharon Peterson of Group 43, Trilongso Rising. First, a big shout out to Free Will and Franklin for continuing to bring us great information on these important nonprofit organizations. 
We'll post all the links on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, about one or two hours after the show. We'll also post some great pictures Franklin took of the women of facing homelessness in Antioch as they do their work in the streets. Now, on Friday, June 22nd, elected officials and staff of the City of Concord learned via the media and from people who watched the media that property inside the City of Concord was a potential candidate for an internment camp for immigrants. On Wednesday, June 27th, Concord's mayor, city council, and residents got the welcome news that, apparently, no internment camps are currently planned for Concord or anywhere in California. Right after Wednesday's emergency meeting, I sat down with Concord's mayor, Eddie Bersan, to hear his thoughts. We're here with Mayor Eddie Bersan of Concord, and Concord has had a rather busy week full of surprises. Could you tell us about the uh, Naval Weapons Station controversy? Well, it started on a Friday afternoon, uh, at noon, my time, when I received notice that what was my comment on the Navy setting up a detention center uh, at the Concord Naval Weapons Station for 47,000 people? And my immediate reaction is, it's Friday, this is supposed to be a slow news day, what are you talking about? And they said, well, there was a Time Magazine article on the net. And I said, was this Times The Onion or is this something substantial? And they sent it to me and it said, hmm, there was a draft letter from an assistant secretary of the Navy to the secretary of the Navy saying that we could, they military could house 47,000 people at the Concord Naval Weapons Station plus numbers a similar size at Yuma, and then smaller sizes at various places in Alabama and the Gulf Coast. This sent shockwaves through all of us. We immediately started contacting everyone that we could to find out if this is correct. After all, we only had a news media memo uh, leak, and we could not get a hold of anyone who can give us an answer on that Friday. We issued an immediate press release from the city saying from what little we know of what they intend, this makes no sense, on a practical point, there's no utilities, there's no sewage, water, etc. on the base. It is a Superfund site, still in the process of remediation. It is in the middle of a urbanized suburban city complex. We're in the largest city in the county. Part of this base is right up against our yards and against our schools. Within a, an easy walk is our downtown area where we have 14 and 8-story buildings. So this is not some remote uh, desert rural location. All through the weekend, we then struggled trying to get some facts, and we could not find anyone to give us a response. We brought in our congressman. We brought in every single contact we could make. I even wound up talking by email to the mayor of Yuma uh, in Arizona, who was similarly shocked. We talked to the Navy people that we know through our negotiations on the sale of the property known as the base realignment enclosure. They knew nothing. And we started going up the chain of command. Come Monday morning, we still were struggling with not having any accurate information. As a result, I brought in the staff and we wrote 
a letter to the Secretary of Navy saying, we want more information. Please come to our meetings and tell us. And this is the issues that we see right now on why this is not an appropriate place to go. And we detailed a lot of the issues as well as stating very clearly that we're opposed to uh, the placement of a detention center in here. That's where we were on Monday. By Monday night, we still had no solid information response from anyone. We were hitting on all the different medias. The letter that I wrote was distributed pretty widely. We sent it to the Secretary of Navy in multiple forms. On Tuesday, we had a regular scheduled meeting. We decided that under our agenda laws here in California, we couldn't talk about this. So we set up a special meeting for today at 1 o'clock, which we're allowed to do on 24-hour notice. And we continued with the full court press. Early this morning, we learned from two sources that Homeland Security was no longer planning to have a detention center in Concord. And we also learned from the county through the sheriff, uh, Dave Livingston, who was advised by Homeland Security. And then we also heard from Mark DeSonier's office, finally, that they had heard from the Department of Defense that they also were not going to put a detention center here. But nevertheless, we continued with our meeting today to give, A, the good news about our local area, but also to share the sad news that while our local area was spared, this was still going on in our country. And this is still a concern for a majority, overwhelming majority number of our residents. I'm curious about one thing. Sure. First, I have to point out that this is Wednesday right after the meeting. Right. It was really very quick. It was full. And it was overwhelmingly in support of not having a detention center in Concord or anywhere else. Do you think that it's over considering the difficulty you had in gaining information in the first place. When you say it's over, I think the concept of having it here in Concord is over. The concept of it existing elsewhere is clearly not over. I believe it's fairly clear that all the issues that we brought up, the factual issues, without getting even into the emotional issues or into the social issues or into the, even the political and economic issues, just the physical location, and the site issues, that terminates, I believe, this whole concept. And as a result, I believe that there will be, an, I should hope, we could expedite the physical transfer of the base from the Navy to us. We were months away from having it because once it was done, then the only way it could be reversed would be by an eminent domain action by the federal government, which is a pretty extreme case. That would put us in the 1941-1942 category of emergencies. Does Concord have a safe cities or what used to be called sanctuary type resolution in place? Last September, we passed what's called an inclusionary action where we talked about how the city was formed from our original values of living in concordance with one another. Uh, this city was founded as a gift from Mexican-American families, two families, to the survivors of the total destruction of the town of Pacheco. This is an important part to remember that the people named the town Concord in the name of Concordance. It wasn't given to us by a developer or anything else. In fact, Don Salvio Pacheco 
would like to have called us Todos Santos. And until 1905, all the land titles here were still Todos Santos, although everyone called it Concord. We are speaking with Mayor Eddie Brisson of Concord. This is Full Circle. Is the city of Concord considering a resolution to denounce or oppose internment camps on the national scale? That was something which was requested uh, today. Under our agenda process, we have to get it on the agenda to talk about. The city manager controls the agenda. I had no doubt it would be discussed what we're, what to do as take this kind of a position. Uh, we normally have not stepped out of our immediate area with the exception of our inclusionary statement, which was the first thing we did in the last 15, 20 years, that I, even longer than I can remember, where we started to address a more global or more national issue. Generally, we stay very focused on Concord. So we have to find out where everyone else's head's at. We've been listening to Mayor Eddie Bersan of Concord. This is Full Circle on KPFA. And thank you, Mayor Bersan, for taking some time out during this civic whirlwind. And for more on this issue and activism in general, in the studio tonight is Kenji Amata, Concord resident and activist with Concord Communities Alliance. Welcome, Kenji. Thank you. Glad to be here. You attended Wednesday's uh, emergency council meeting, and you talked a bit about the personal personal significance that the proposed detention camp in Concord held for you. Would you like to share some of your thoughts with our listeners? Yes, so I'm a Japanese-American, and I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with what the U.S. federal government did to Japanese-Americans and their Japanese national parents in 1942, which was to put entire families in internment camps, uproot their lives, dispossess them, lock them away. And just like today, at that time, that injustice was justified in terms of national security, the idea that this country needed to be protected from decent people living decent lives. And we're seeing that again today. The questions of citizenship are different, but the the damage being done by this policy is the same, and that is the destruction of families, harm to decent people, and uprooting of communities. I know I've heard different takes on whether Concord is uh, safe from becoming a cam- uh, camp site, site of a camp. Uh, what is your feeling on it? Is Concord out of danger? You know, just like Eddie, uh, Mayor Bersan expressed in your re- interview earlier, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. What we have basically is an informal assurance via the Contra Costa Sheriff from the Department of Homeland Security that they have no plans, quote, at this time, unquote, to open, to set up internment camps in Contra Costa or in California. Um, That doesn't preclude the idea of doing it later, and it doesn't rule out the idea of internment camps elsewhere in the country, which are equally objectionable. Um, You know, Japanese Americans back in 1942 to 1945 were interned at various camps throughout the country. Two of them, Tule Lake and Manzanar, were in California. The rest were in other states, and the injustice did not differ between those locations. These camps should not exist anywhere. Now, back to uh, the emergency emergency council meeting. Many people, both on and off the dais, highlighted our history of destroying families through slavery, forced removal of children to so-called Indian schools, and the internment of uh, 
Japanese Americans, history is so important. So uh, this focus gives me a glimmer of hope. Also, since November, activists for various causes are emerging from their silos and working together in common cause. Does the Concord Communities Alliance protect vulnerable residents in more than one way? Yes, we are, in Concord Communities Alliance, we are trying to work together with and support the efforts of a lot of other Concord residents and organizations who work with Concord residents, especially those who are vulnerable to um, not only being targeted by ICE, but also eviction from their homes. And the people who are most vulnerable to those dangers are residents who are undocumented immigrants, uh, vulnerable to both those dangers at once. Um, And I just want to acknowledge a few organizations, if I could. Please do. So some of the the groups are working with our tenants together, the Central County Regional Group, uh, Monument Impact, and the East Bay Alliance for Sustainable Economy. They have really been leading on trying to get our city council in Concord to take stronger steps to protect protect residents from unjust evictions and also specifically the threat of uh, landlords threatening um, tenants with calls to ICE. We actually had an instant just a few, I think a couple of weeks ago, where a resident of Concord was threatened repeatedly by a landlord with a call to ICE and actually left, is preparing to leave the country out of fear for herself and her family. This is happening now. So one thing being discussed on Facebook is how quickly uh, tent cities are being erected for immigrants who don't want to be there, and yet our government won't mobilize for its own citizens. So... These are properties that could be used to provide housing for the homeless, for the elderly, for veterans, real care for people with mental challenges. Um, What's your take on the use and distribution of resources and funds? Well, you know, we have people who need homes and don't have them. And we also have um, homes that are being used as investments rather than as ways for people to sleep indoors rather than outdoors. And I think that there's an obvious connection between those two things. And... um, you know, even in my own city, at times I've seen our local government focus on property rights and return on investment as an equal priority with the need of people to have homes. And in my view, the need of people to have homes is far more important than those other two priorities. And I would like to see that shift in my city, in the state, and across the country. So we've got a lot of work to do to see that realized. Can you think of concrete steps that uh, need to be taken, not necessarily mm-hmm. by you, but that what needs to happen to make that change? Well, locally, some things are things like rent stabilization, laws that limit the frequency and amount of rent increases, just cause eviction protections. Those are some very concrete local measures. But other things are taxes on the value of land. You know, land is a necessarily limited resource, a finite one, and which is ne- one which is necessary for people to have homes. It's, it's a form of capital, in other words, which tends to concentrate more than other forms of capital and which is more necessary for human life. And it's one where I think... Um, more government action to ensure equitable distribution of it is appropriate. And going back to the immigration struggle, uh, do you see any particular movements ahead? Um, what are the ne- what are our next steps? Especially here, where we're sort of um, we're not nowhere near a border in the Bay Area, and um, a, and hopefully this continues. We will not have camps. Do you have a beat on what people can do here? Locally, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out that myself. Locally, a lot of it is just using our voices to try to um, make clear our priorities in the state and in our communities. But on a wider level, 
one idea that I've seen gaining a lot of momentum and one that I'm getting to turn to myself is that we need to abolish ICE. It's about 15 years old. It did not exist in the 1990s. It was created in the aftermath of September 11, 2001, and its purpose is mainly to destroy the lives of innocent people. That is how it has actually behaved throughout most of its existence, and that is intensifying now under the current presidential administration. So, you know, doing something like that, abolishing a federal department as young as this one is, is one that's going to take a lot of voices and political pressure, and all of us can contribute to that current. Now, this uh, this did not all begin under Trump. He's simply turning bad policy, cruel policy, into an atrocity. Yes. Um, how can we? How can we? What uh, what groups do you recommend? What specific actions? If there are any, are they still in development? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to call myself an expert on that question, but I have seen some good work on on um, on the defense of immigrants from groups like the ACLU. Um, some related, the Electronic Frontier Foundation does a lot of good work on making sure people are aware of their rights with respect to their data, and that affects not only those of us who are more privileged, but even you know, smartphones and data are part of the lives of just about everybody now. Those are a couple that I have off the top of my head, but. Um, I'm sure others could give you better tips than that. I'm sorry I'm not better prepared on that question. No problem. Thank you. I, I think we are all trying to prepare for that yeah. question. It's hard because these attacks you know, on, on decent people are coming so rapidly from so many directions at once. It's hard to keep up. Yes. <laughs> so how can people contact Concord Communities Alliance and um, how can they help? So we are we are a pretty small group so far. We're we're very new, and um, if if someone gets a hold of us, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a very personal, face to face kind of thing. So if someone wants to get involved, um, it's going to likely involve sitting down at coffee with one of us, with myself or Greg Colley or Adi Olvera or Laura Nakamura, some of the people working on this. Um, the best way to to find us as a group is on Facebook. That's where we've been most active. We have a page, Concord Communities Alliance. And also one in Spanish, which is Alianza de Comunidades de Concord. Um, we do answer in Spanish there as well. So that's the easiest way. Thank you. We have been speaking with Kenji Yamada, Concord resident and activist with Concord Communities Alliance. This is Full Circle on KPFA. My name is Sharon Peterson. Again, thank you, Kenji Yamada. Thank you for the opportunity. So, well, on Tuesday, you may have heard... A federal judge in San Diego ordered that all children separated from their parents be returned to their parents within 30 days. Children under five years old must be returned in 14 days. That said, make no mistake, this is not over. Parents have been deported while children remain detained. Parent-child mismatches have happened. And at best, even if a miracle happens... Families will still be detained. So, tomorrow, on Saturday, June 30th, nationwide actions, including actions all over the Bay Area, will protest Trump's zero-tolerance policy. You can find a protest near you at familiesbelongtogether.org, and we'll post that link on our own webpage, kpfaapprentice.org. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. 
Thanks for joining us tonight on Full Circle. We're here every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Next week, we will explore why some people turn to taking their own lives. Your hosts are Kat Petru and Mari Nakagawa. Check out our website at kpfaapprentice.org for archived shows, pictures of our guests and of us, and for important links and extended interviews. Our executive producer is Ms. M. Our technical director is Free Will and Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Free Will and Franklin and Sharon Peterson have been your hosts. Thanks to Stevie G on the board and our tech assist, Aria. Up next, La Onda Bajita.